And going through the, the Apostles' Creed as we confess that in our, our Heidelberg Catechism, I was told that you are on the Lord's Day 11 emphasizing what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. And specifically this time, what it, me- what it means to believe Jesus, the Son of Mary, given for us. And in connection with that, um, I'd like to read first the Lord's Day. If you can turn with me to Lord's Day 11. So I I guess I read the question and together we'll recite the answer. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, meaning Savior? He saves us from our sins because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Do those who look for their salvation and security in saints in themselves or anywhere really believe in the only Savior, Jesus? Although they boast of Jesus, Jesus is not a perfect Savior, or those who in true faith accept the Savior have in Him all they need for their salvation. This is really a, the, the emphasis is, do you really believe in Jesus? That's the, the, the core of this, that Jesus who came into the world so many years ago, do you really believe in him as Lord and Savior, as the one who gave himself for you? The one who you can say is the only one who can live up to his name because his name means Savior. Do you believe in him? And we're going to be going through some, some passages that deal with this. First, Matthew 1, verse 18 and 21, and I'll touch on the, the, the things that we confess in our catechism as we, as we go through this. So if you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. This is when Jesus was given his name to... You can say his stepfather, Joseph. So Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18, right until 21. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, 
For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So far, the word of our Lord. The whole aspect of saving his people from their sins. Now, the, the Jewish people, they thought they are already all right. Most of them, that's what the big problem when Jesus came onto this earth, the Jews thought, we're the people of God. We don't need a savior. We're good the way we are. We're God's people. And they ridiculed Jesus. And eventually, were so angry, they killed him. And ultimately, because they said, we don't want and we don't think we need a savior like this. Not a savior who saves his people from their sins. And as people of God growing up in our church communities, we can sometimes think, yes, we, we, we are people of God. Yes, we believe in Jesus Christ. But whole aspect of that, you can say, the, the fundamental core of our faith, to, to constantly think about that, that Jesus saves me from my sin. That he who is Savior came to be my Savior to save me from my sin because my sin, as a as person who was born, conceived and born in sin, on, by nature, on my way to hell. But Jesus came to save me. I'm one of his people because I believe I was brought up in the understanding he saves his people from their sins. Do you truly trust that? That he was given that name to emphasize that he came for you, not just for others, but also you personally, to save you from your sins. Because by nature, you are so bad, nothing else in all creation could save you. That the creator of the universe had to come down And he had to save you. But nothing else. You can't in any way save yourself. In a sense, we're all pathetic. We're unable to save ourselves. And he came down and was given that name. um, Joseph was told by the angel, hey, that that baby, you might think he's an unwanted child because that's what he was really thinking that, oh, she was involved in, an, in a relationship with somebody. I thought she loved me, but somehow she started fooling around with somebody else, and this child within her is not mine, it's somebody else's, and I, don't, I want out of this. I don't want to stone her, because he could have publicly had her stoned to death. I don't want that. I'm gonna, but I can't marry such a woman who seems to have been in a relationship with somebody else. I can't marry somebody. I still care for her. I still love her. But I can't marry somebody like this before God. He was a righteous man, but he could not. Righteous means that he wasn't without sin. He wanted to do the right thing. He didn't always do it, but he wanted to do the right thing. And he was going to divorce her Privately, you could say, without any big fanfare or anything else. And then an angel speaks to him. 
Joseph, son of David. So descendant of David. He says, hey, this is, this is from God. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her, and within her, was it's, it's from the Holy Spirit. This is a special child like no other child. And you are to give him a special... Now, other people were called that name. If you can read in the Bible, sometimes you can even read others were given that name. And you hear people, not so much in our culture, but in other cultures, you ever heard the word Jesus? It's the same word in Spanish. So there's people who call, but there's only one who could, you could say... Live up to the name, Jesus. And that's why he says, hey, you are to give your son this name. This name, Jesus, for you will save his people from their sins. And Joseph had to believe, oh, if I'm one of his people, I need my sins to be, I, I need to be saved from my sins. And what does that mean to be saved from your sin? You, nobody can say, you know what, it saves me so I no longer sin anymore. Because if you think that's what saving you from your sin is, you're going to be very disappointed. Every time you think bad thoughts, say bad words, do sinful activities, you're going to say, well, I guess he didn't save me. Well, an aspect of saving his people from their sins, it means that the sins won't destroy them. If you believe in Jesus Christ, your sin won't bring you to hell because Jesus went to hell for you on the cross. He wants you to believe that. He saved you from your sin in that way that your sin won't destroy you. And you could say your sin also won't cause you to so, you can say, fall into the devil's camp that you throw your life away. Now, you might for a period of time, if you're a child of God, that can happen sometimes, that sin draws you away for a period of time. But it won't destroy you. If you're a child of God, if you believe, truly believe that Jesus came to save you from your sins, you can say, you know what? I, I trust. I believe that he will draw me away from any destructive activity that I might get involved in. Not that you shouldn't start going in that direction because the consequences are pretty strong if you start living a sinful life. Just ask King, well, you can't ask King David anymore, but you can read it in the Bible. The consequences were great for him. God didn't let him let sin destroy him. It did the severe consequences. The sword, sword would never leave his family. But it didn't destroy him in such a way that it destroyed his relationship with God. So if you really believe in this Jesus, that he saves his people from their sins, you can not only believe, hey, Jesus went to the cross, so my sins won't destroy me and for, in, in eternal hell. And it won't destroy me in this life either. He'll always bring me back because he's that savior able to save his people from their sins, calling them back. Jesus says, I'm never going to leave and forsake my people. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you know this Jesus came for you, that you believe that this Jesus is the only Savior. Many people try to dabble in this. Yes, I believe in Jesus, but I got to do something. I got to keep being this way or that way. Don't think coming to church even twice on a Sunday is going to save you in any way. If you come to church 
Because you think, hey, um, Jesus did something, but if I just come here twice every Sunday or go to Bible study or read my Bibles really faithfully, that will somehow give me merit also to help me to get to heaven. It won't. Now, you should come to church to learn about Jesus. You should read your Bible to learn about Jesus. You should pray to him to thank him for Jesus. But that's all because he's the only Savior. He's the only one who can save you. Nothing you do, nothing nobody else does can save you. He's the complete package. He does it completely fully. And may we trust that. May you come to church to say, you know what, I want to hear more about this Jesus. I want to be filled with Jesus more and more so that I more and more depend on him throughout my days, throughout the week. You say, hey, Jesus is my Savior. I don't have to worry about being condemned because Jesus is my Savior. I don't have to worry about sin destroying me in this life because Jesus is my Savior. May you trust that. And then go forward rejoicing in him, wanting to worship him on Sundays, wanting to read about him throughout the week, wanting to come together as brothers and sisters in the Lord to study his word so that you can grow together and say, yeah, Jesus is our only Savior. And this, this brings us to the next passage I want to read, um, Acts 4. If you can turn with me to Acts 4. This is a little longer reading. We're going to read chapter 4, 1 to verse 21. And this is just after Peter and John go to the temple, and there's a man who is lame, couldn't walk. And Peter looks at him, and the guy thinks, because he's, he's, he's begging for money, he thinks Peter's going to give him some money, and he says, I don't got no money, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, stand up. And he stood up. And everybody marveled at this. And Peter says, hey, don't think about me. This is about Jesus. Jesus did this. And he keeps talking about Jesus, that Jesus died for his people, rose from the dead. And it's he's the powerful one that is, was able to bring healing to this man. And many people started listening to him talk about Jesus. And now in chapter 4, the leaders who were responsible for Jesus to be handed over to the Romans to be put on the cross, they don't like this. And that's why verse chapter 4, we're going to read about that. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the, of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? 
And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are charged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which you rejected was sorry, this is the stone which was rejected by the by you builders, which was which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized they had been with Jesus. And seeing the men who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside, out out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a noble miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So then, so when they heard they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the men, the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So far, the word of our Lord. You notice several times the name Jesus, sometimes just the name Jesus was said, and just on the name. Sometimes the, these, these religious leaders didn't even want to say his name. They were still, they were still angry with him for making them look bad. And now they thought they had killed him. But now they're speaking, and even in his name, this great miracle had happened. This was, you can say, power in this name. And the Peter and the John and the other disciples, they understood this Jesus was their Savior. Because to truly believe Jesus is your Savior, that he saved you from your sin then it also means you've been liberated in a sense. You've been freed from, you can say, the fear of man, what man, what man can do to me. They weren't afraid of man before. This was Peter who denied he knew Jesus before Jesus was put to death. But now the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's able to speak boldly about Jesus because he truly understood fully now Jesus came to save me from my sin. 
He, I, I had rebelled against him. I said with a curse, I don't know who he is. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, tell Peter too I rose. And he said to Peter, hey, I reinstate you. Just as many times you said you disowned me, I want to hear that you love me. And I, he forgave him. He knew that he had been forgiven of his sins. He knew that Jesus fully came also for his sins. And the other disciples, the same thing. They had come to the realization that Jesus saved them, not from other things, but from their sin. And out there they could speak with boldness and speak about the power of Jesus Christ. And Peter said, hey, it wasn't me who healed this person. It was Jesus because he's a living Savior. Is Jesus a living Savior in your lives? Do you trust him? Do you follow him? Are you willing to even sacrifice for him? Are you willing to say, I'm going to speak about Jesus? These people that, that were put, Peter and John, in custody, they, they threatened them. They spoke harshly against them, but they said, you might tell us not to talk about Jesus, but Jesus is our Savior. We can't help but talking about him because he saved us from our sins. He's the Savior that we've been looking for, and we put our full trust in him. That's why they said right in the middle of this passage, nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which men must be saved. They must be saved because if they're not saved by Jesus, there's no other way they can be saved. They can only be saved by Jesus. If you really believe that about yourself, hey, it's, I was, I'm, I'm a wreck without him. I'm ruined without him. Eternal hell is waiting without him. But with him, I am saved from my sins. He's the only name under which I must be saved. And did he save you? Do you truly believe that he went to that cross to take the punishment of your sins? And now you're truly saved, washed clean, pure before him. By nature, we're, our identity before God is sinners. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, your identity has been changed to be a saint, a, a daughter, a son of God Almighty. Jesus comes to save you from your sins so that your identity is no longer a sinner, but a saint in Christ. And Jesus is the only one who can change your identity to, to, to deal with your sins so that you now are a beloved child of God. Peter knew that of himself. And therefore, he said, you know what? You people out there, you might think that you are in charge here, but Jesus is the only one who can save you. So he could speak boldly before this, this group of, you can say, intellectuals and political leaders and religious leaders. He could stand in front of them all and say, what? hey, you might think you got it all, but Jesus is the one. He's the only one that can save because there's no other name under heaven. God's, the only one God sent was Jesus to save us. He didn't send anybody else. And there's no other way you can be saved. 
only through Jesus. And those who believe that want others to hear it. Want others, friends, family, co-workers possibly, others willing to stand up and say, hey, no, Jesus is the only way. You might think Mohammed, or you might think some Hindu faith, or you might think you can do it yourself, because that's the world today. People can think, hey, it's through my efforts, my worthiness, my merit that I can achieve something. That's many people in our world today. Many people in our world today, they they call themselves Christian, but that Christian means I'm a pretty good person. I've merited something because I talk about God. I go to church sometimes. I don't do this. I don't do that. So I merit somehow a relationship with God. They think they can save themselves somehow. And there's other religions. But all other religions basically tell you the same thing. You must do enough good things to offset the bad things, and then you'll save yourself. Follow this person's teaching about that, that person's teaching about that. But Peter says, no, those people out there who think that, unless they put their faith in Jesus Christ, their sins will destroy them. Their sins will bring them into hell. Because the only one who can take away our sin, the only one who can deal with our sin so that won't destroy us is Jesus. That's for us and that's for anybody. But the wonderful thing is, it's for everybody. The person who's down the street who is a horrendous person. The offer is for him. For a a Muslim. For a Hindu. It's for them. The offer is for them too. It's the only one, the only way they can be saved is through Jesus Christ. And that's why Peter stands amongst them and says to these people who were hardened against Jesus, hey, it's only Jesus, guys. It's only Jesus that can save you. And may be willing to stand up for that also. May we willing to trust that as we talk to others. Hey, it's, it's only Jesus. You can't be saved in any other way. And may we trust that Jesus can save people that we might think it's impossible. You think that those people who came to the early church who dealt with, you can say, the the persecution of Saul, who later became Paul, you think they thought, hey, there's a guy we think will become a Christian. There's a guy who I think Jesus came to wash away his sins. There's a guy that will trust in Jesus. The average person would not have thought, the average Christian back then would not have thought that. Even after he repented and said, yes, I'm a Christian now, they still didn't believe him. It took a while. And we can have that today too. We can kind of, hey, there's no chance for those people. But do you trust that, hey, if, if he saved me, because my sinful nature is just as wicked as other person's sinful nature. Your, the, the sinful nature you were born with is just as wicked as anybody else's. You, you listen to the news report of any 
person who has done some horrendous thing, you were born with the same sin nature as that person. And it's only by grace that God has allowed you to understand the saving work of Jesus Christ. And if you came to faith and believe it, it's only because of that. And that person also could, Paul said he was a murderer. And he too knew the saving work of Jesus Christ, that Jesus truly was his savior and saved him from his sin. And may we trust it's just not for us, but also for others. And that's why I don't have it in the bulletin, but I want to read one more passage. It's um, one of my favorite passages from Philippians chapter 2. It's not going to be as long as the Acts one. Philippians chapter 2, the first 11 verses. Verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or, or conceit, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not, sorry, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let the mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equaled with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore God exalted, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So far, the word of our Lord. So believing in Jesus, that he saved you, that he's now your Savior, It just doesn't save you. It changes you. So now you want to live for him. Not just live for him, but try more and more to be like him. And that's what he says. Hey, let the mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. And what was that mind in Christ Jesus? First of all, to honor his father above all. His father sent him. Why not? A horrendous task to die for sinners. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Gave him to, to, to die on the cross for sinners so that 
Those who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That was the task. That was the mind of Christ to say, I'm going to follow my heavenly father's direction. And I'm going to die for sinners. That was the first and second reason that he had a love for sin people, sinful people like you and I, so that they could his, be his, his friends. He comes on and says, hey, you're now my friends, but also part of the family of God, that he could be a, like a, a friend who sticks closer than the closest brother you've ever had. And now that mindset should be in us. What did he tell his disciples to do? Go and make disciples of the nations. Be willing to speak about me, the one who came to save his people from their sins. Do you know who his people are? There's, there's no, you can say there's no checklist on this earth to tell us who they are and who they are. No, you, you, you should confess that you are part of those people, but you're not the exhaustive part of those people. There's still people out there who are his people. At the river of life, some people, they came to me, well, how do I know? Because they're just coming to an understanding of the faith in Christ. Just coming to know or just starting to understand that Jesus also come to save me. And I don't look, like, look for a special birthmark or a special intellect in them or a special sensitivity in them. I proclaim the gospel to them. And if they respond, respond in faith, true faith, then I can say, yes, you are. There's people who, are, who came to faith in the last number of years that if you met them 10 years ago, they were in God's ultimate decree. They were his people. They didn't know it yet. God knew it. We didn't know it yet, but as the gospel goes out, we start to know them. Hey, they too are his people. Jesus said to his disciples, hey, I have other sheep, not of this flock. I want you to go out to the world, start in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth because my people are all over the place. And they don't have a certain disposition. They don't have a certain skin color. They don't have a certain intellect. They're people from all shapes and sizes, all types of people from all over the place. I've, I've come to cross some people, and when I first met them, I thought, boy, I hope they don't come to church. And then they come. And then after a year, they come to faith. But my first reaction was, well, I don't think they would be one of his people. And we can sometimes think like that. Maybe you have a neighbor, maybe a coworker, and you think, hey, don't think that person. The mind of Christ was serving his heavenly father and to give us as a life, as a sacrifice for many. He, he was willing to take that name Jesus so that he would go to the cross and save his people from their sins. And he was saying that was his mindset. Willing to suffer for the benefit of others. 
Do you have that sacrificial service in you? A sacrificial service and says, hey, it's not my kingdom first here, my job, my whatever. Now, I'm not saying they're not important, but what's more, most important in your life? What was Jesus in his mind? What was most important thing in him? Why did he humble himself and take on human flesh, left his glory bef- behind? So that he could die for his people. So he could suffer for his people. Even going to the cross. Now, you don't, have to go to, you don't have to go to cross to suffer for other people. But the mindset has to be, if you're Christ, if you really believe that he died for your sins, that he, Jesus is your Savior, that he must also be that great one you want to be like. That what, his, what was in his mind, I want more and more to be in my mind. That I'm willing to be sacrificial in my service for my, my, my great king, my Lord. So that every knee would bow before him. And some now, some now, and, and coming to living faith in Jesus Christ, they bend the knee and say, Jesus, he's my Lord. He purchased me. I'm one of his. He came for my sins. And I bow before him. But they can only do that when they hear about Jesus. That's why Jesus told his his church, go out into the world. So people can hear about Jesus. And may we have that mindset that was in Christ. That we want others to bow before Jesus. They're all going to do it one day. Sometime, some will be now putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, Jesus, he also came for my sins. And some at the end, as they are about to run, asking for the mountains to fall on them, they will fall before him, not out of adoration and love, but out of a forced, you bow before me because I am Lord. But then they'll be sent to eternal hell. I hope you have a love for others that you would want them to bow now. Now, you can't force them. Only the gospel can. Only the name of Jesus Christ can cause them to fall down before them if they truly understand what that name means, Savior, that he came to save his people from their sins. May we be people who truly believe, yes, it's not my stuff that saved me. It's Jesus that saved me. And may that attitude that Jesus had be more and more our attitude that we want. We were willing to suffer so others would come to know Jesus as the Savior of their sins. All the disciples, except for John, we know that they were martyred. They were killed and sometimes horrifically because they wanted others to hear that good news that Jesus came to die for sinners. That Jesus came for his people, all over the world, his people, to save them from their sins. May we have that attitude in us now and always. Let's pray. Lord God, Father in heaven, thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. That wonderful name that is above all names, Jesus. Lord, there's many that have taken that name, but he's the only one who could live up to it. He's the only one who could save his people from their sins. 
And Lord, may we each believe that he came for us, not just others, but also us personally, to save us from the punishment that we deserve for our sins and from the the destruction of sin in the lives of so many people we see. Lord, for we admit that we were born with a sin nature. And Lord, we're thankful that Jesus came to save us from the destructive element of that so that we could know that our sins will not destroy us, that Jesus took the punishment of them so they will not destroy us. Help us to believe that each day of our lives that we are your people and because you sent your son Jesus to save us, we don't have to worry about the destructive element of sin because we are your beloved children. And may that so overwhelm us, Lord, that the mind of Christ, would, the, the mind of Jesus would more and more be in us as he was willing to leave his glory behind and suffer even to the point of death on the cross for us. May that mindset be in us that we are willing to suffer for you, O our Heavenly Father. Not, to, not necessarily to save people, but to suffer in telling people about Jesus. For Lord, the only way others can be saved is by the name of Jesus, believing in him, trusting that he too came for their sins so their sins could be washed away. And may we be instruments in your hands in this broken world to tell that great message so more and more would hear it and bow the knee to Jesus in joy before that great and awesome day when Jesus comes back on the clouds of heaven where all will bow before him, some in horror and some in great joy. And may we look forward to that day with great joy knowing we don't have to worry because Jesus, he came to die, that he came to save his people from their sins. May we trust that we are his people now and forevermore. We pray this in Jesus' name.